the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton coming at you with a, a, a new show, man. I, I, and I appreciate y'all. You guys have been patient. You know, you go like, man, did I hear that show before? I think I heard that show before. You know, as one guy told me, he said, I heard it again. It was one of my favorites, though. I, but I listened to it again. And, it's like, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, no harm, no foul. I said, but, you know, the thing thing about it is, is that is is not really having the, the, the technology. You know, we're trying to pull it together at the church. If, 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 you know, if I had somebody who can, you know, mix down, then I wouldn't have to worry about traveling halfway across uh the the desert forty years, forty days, forty night. But you know, I and I love coming out here to the studio recording. That's just not it. It's just during this time, uh as some of you know, but even before I came in I was battling battling the illness and uh I I had a couple of healthcare professionals uh crying, you know, in in the in the doctor's office the other day. I look at my trips to the doctor's office as like going fishing. You know, it's going fishing. You know, I, I think everybody got to have a favorite fishing hole. You know what I mean? So that's what I look at it. It's like, well, going to the hospital today because my, my my son was like, my son Juice was like, because we pull up at the hospital. They said, hey, Joe, how's it going? Right? The guys who parked the cars. And I said, man, it's going good. I said, y'all don't park no more? Nah, COVID, man. We're not parking no more. Where you going today? Heart vascular or over there? Whatever. I said, oh, it's going to heart vascular. I said, all right, man. My, my son said, dad, dad. It's not cool when they know you by name. This ain't Cheers. When they know you by name at the at the uh, at at the, at the hospital, and I said, I said, now this is my it's my water hole. You know, what I mean, like, it, we talk about it, but you know, some mistakes were made. You know, and uh, some said I should have sued, but the mistakes weren't made because I believe that the doctor woke up that morning and said, ah, let's mess over Joe today. Is Joe in my books today? You know what I mean? I said the doctor woke up this morning and said, oh, man, can I get a day off? You know what I mean? I said, because when you look at it, you know, I have friends in the healthcare, some clients in healthcare, they're overloaded. Either it's the profit mongols want to make a bigger profit so they stack more work. I said, the reason why people cry at, uh, at, at when people have gone away at retirement parties, I said, they're not crying because they're going to miss the person. They crying because they know they got to do their job. <laughs> they know they know they they're like, oh man, some more work we got to pick up and divide amongst ourselves. You know what I mean? They, they ain't gonna hire nobody to replace. Yeah, it's over. You know what I mean? You get that corporate mindset, and and you you can tell that when a doctor wants to spend more time with you, but can't, you know, because 
of, you know, just their scheduling and trying to make it through the day. And, you know, if you got an afternoon appointment, you just know you're in trouble because it's like they so far behind, you know, it's just not even funny, you know what I mean, to get in there and get things done. And so I I feel for those guys. I pray for them. You know, last time I was in the hospital, you know, well, time before last time I was in the hospital, everybody was using my room as a hangout spot. You know, they come and talk and, and you know, and you know, I'd pray for them and, and just talk about, you know, hey, people just got to be real. I, and I know you want to be mad at them, you know, because they represent the, they're the frontline representative of the healthcare industry. But you also got to look at it from the fact is that if, if you're getting overloaded, that it's hard. Because it, it, I can tell, I've been, I've been, I mean, I'm 61, so I can tell when somebody's giving me the standard answer, right? You know, you because you, 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 they got a training. Oh, sorry for your loss, but you still gonna pay this debt. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like you know, they, you know, and then you go back again, and you may be up there. You go to the hospital and say, "Okay, doc, what's wrong?" Well, after looking at your X-rays, we figure we're gonna have uh, Doctor So and So over in neurology look at it, and uh, and then you know we'll get back to you, and then you know, and then nobody gets back to you. They're calling me now, <laughs> and uh. And so, you, you, but you realize they're not getting back to me because they don't like me or nothing. It's just that the day gets on them and they get they get so boggled down, and they get their work. And so, what what that's helped me to see is that if other factors do come into light, uh, then you're really in trouble. Because I know two years ago, uh, Alfred Babington Johnson invited me to and some other pastors to the University of Minnesota. Uh, the state of Minnesota did this study and they wanted to unveil the results. And the results were really disheartening when it came to how minorities are treated and majority cultures treated within the med system. And the thing that was so disheartening about it was that, that the response note was low and it was with the same insurance they did it on the thing where they did the same level of insurance. It's like, okay, this man got blue cross, blue shield gold. Okay, this American man got blue cross, blue shield gold. You know, it, yeah. So they made it wasn't like you got stuck with with that. And so, and when they did it, they found out that that white people are almost twice as likely to be treated for an illness speedily than African Americans. Native Americans, in some instances, were got, treated better than African Americans. Because they had their own health board. They got the Indian health board. So they had an avenue to respond to to get out of there. So it wasn't so much about insurance because we always cry about, oh, we need insurance. We need health insurance. We need insurance. We need insurance. No, it's my insurance. What we need is a, is, a, is a different viewpoint. So when you see me come into the hospital, to the OR, as a, as a white person coming to the OR, and you get diagnosed with diabetes. And, and, and this was pertinent to me because I was fighting with them on diabetes. In my own life, it, it takes uh, for a, a, a minority, a person of color, for African-American, it took six to eight weeks before you got your medication and got everything diagnosed, whereas it was uh, one to three weeks for the majority culture. And uh, and so I was just sitting there going like, but the same insurance, you know, same level. So you, so you, 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 you can't just say, oh, it's because you had, 
you know, Raggedy Agent Mo here or something like that. And and so you know, immediately you don't want to just throw them and say, ah, y'all don't like y'all don't like minorities and uh, we want. But no, it, you gotta understand something is that how do you view that person's life? Right? Is that person's life important? Right? You know, and 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 so when that white person comes in there, that nurse or doctor who is white does everything they can to make sure that they're treated well because they, they just don't see Joe Blow. They see their uncle, their cousin. They see, they can identify with the personality person. When I walk in there, I mean, it seems, it seems like a nice guy, but... You know, I ain't breaking my neck to do nothing for him. You know what I mean? You know, and and the sad thing about it is, is that if if the numbers were flipped, it'd be the same way. You know what I mean? Because because you know, even in ministry, when I did ministry, <laughs> we were doing ministry, and and uh, we go like, okay, why doesn't you know FCA or You for Christ or or whoever whoever set up a club in this high school? Well, you're going to the high schools that remind you of the people that you want to see saved, right? It, which is comfortable for you. We we don't minister out of call now. We minister out of comfort, right? So even if you were called to that that, that particular school, that, that school, you know, you like, if I had to take my choice, if you came to me and said, Joe, 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 we need you, man, in children's church, I'd be like, no, y'all don't need me in children's church. Can I do youth church? Right, that's more my fight because I want to minister where I feel comfortable at. You know, what I mean, you know, when we do, when we start a sports ministry, when we start, if you have me choose, I'm gonna choose out of comfort, but not out of call. And that's why it's so important to have mentors and people around you that help you stay fixed to the calling. Now, the sad thing about it is, is that in the case back to the medical field, is uh, you know, who's mentoring who? We want to talk about race and reconciliation, but uh. This one pastor said it best. Um, uh, his dad is, man, oh, let me tell you, I sat with his dad and I can't remember his name. I was supposed to give him credit where credit is due. He said, he said that racial reconciliation is not how many black people you have sitting up on your, sitting in the pulpit or, you know, whose face appear on the bulletin. It's who eats dinner at your table at home. And the one thing that makes my my kids feel so comfortable is that we always have different people at our dinner table, you know. And and, and I ain't talking about different people just racially. I mean, because you you can be multiracial, but monoculture. Meaning, I can have I can have Mungs, Laotians, you know, uh, you know, Guatemalans, Ecuadorians. I can have them all sitting around my house. But you know we all come from the same culture. You know we're college grads, got a nice job. You know, you know we 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 met at the U. You know what I mean? <laughs> we met at Northwestern. You know, you can go that way, but it, it's we coming out the same culture, right? You you don't see people from different cultures, and you you can also be multicultural, but monoethnic. I mean, you can have all black people in this church, but they come from a plethora of different cultural backgrounds. So, so race is not culture, and we have to always watch that in what we do and, and how we want to bring balance to any system that we're dealing with because there are going to be imbalances in the system. You know, that, you know I, have a, I have a disease uh, that they shortened down to FSGS. It only became popular because 
Alonzo Mourning had this particular thing. If you listen to the show before you hear me talk about it, and uh, that's how to explain it. I said, it's what Alonzo Mourning had. Oh, okay. I, wait, because FSG is supposed to mean like, it's a long old thing, right? But you, you go online, FSG, has pop, it pops right up, you know what I mean? And uh, But the thing about it is, is that it's an African-American-only disease. So trying to get people, it didn't get diagnosed in Minnesota till I had had it about seven years. But And I took a physical every year. Did what I was supposed to do, man. Yo, colon, everything. And But when my doctor would read the results, he read my results as if I was a majority culture person, right? You know, white, whatever, Scandinavian, Norwegian, however y'all want to say what it, culture is, basically. But it wasn't as an African American. And so he had never even heard about the disease. You know, and then when when I did finally get a doctor that heard about it and, and called me in, you know, he told me if I had probably been in Chicago or Memphis or someplace anywhere in the South, oh, they would have diagnosed it right away, would have took some pills for so long, and never would have had the discomfort of going to dialysis or going you know, there and needing a kidney transplant and going through what I've been what I going through now because I found out dialysis is a beast, man. I'm thinking, you know, that's the easier way out than transplant because transplant you got to keep taking numbers. But then it turns out that 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 the kind of things where your 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 your, your veins start closing off, they start closing off as if you like diabetes. I don't have diabetes. First thing everybody asks me, uh, yeah, he's overweight and black. Okay, you got diabetes? No, you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> you check my. You check. No, I don't. You know what I mean? You got high blood? No, I don't. You know what I mean? Now my mama has it. You know, my dad had it. You know what I mean? It, it, it's all around me. You know what I mean? I had it for like two years, and the medicine dropped it, and that was it. That was back in my 30s when I was still running around here trying to minister pre-J. Where I was, when he told me I ain't have to take the pills no more, I ain't asking why. I ain't trying to go nothing. Good. One less pill I can take, one more day I can minister. You know, I'm just going to run, run around. But but in, in our parallel of bringing that back home for us as believers, I believe that what I've gone through, you know, these these last 10 years, man, it's been 10 years of on again, off again, hurt, suffering, and people doubting my Christianity, right? I felt like Job. But one day I started breaking out in sores, and they couldn't explain where they came from. And I'm looking at myself, breaking out sores, couldn't touch me nowhere. I scream every time you touch me. You know, uh, so therefore they couldn't rehab me. So therefore, I couldn't walk. So I'm just home bed. Finally got to the point where I could walk again. Sores left. And then I had to have multiple surgeries, fighting infections and stuff. And and, and all of that, I, I say, man, I am so happy. I serve a living, loving God. And people say, are you a young guy? Do you do all that? I said, look, man. I said, there's some people I've ministered to that I never would have had a chance to minister to if it had not been for the love of God. Let God tell me that I have to, he want me to go to dialysis clinic and sit up in there for three hours and talk to people. I'd be like, you seen my schedule? (laughs) That's not my call. That's not my call. But but, but doing that and then seeing that there's a whole segment of people that need ministering to that are, are being missed, I was like, oh, man. Man, Lord, I'm glad you got me here. I'm glad I met so-and-so. 
And and so it, 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 people look at me like I'm crazy when I say it, though. But I'm glad. I really am glad. My doctor, my, my general practitioner looked at me and said, Joe, you may not feel bad for yourself, but I feel bad for you. <laughs> he said... He said, I feel bad for you. You're listening to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit Lord Church in North Minneapolis. And I'm uh, glad to be back. You know, we got a lot to say, but we'll come wrap up and make some sense out of all this talk in the next segment. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Hi, I'm Don Crow. Join me this weekend for The Christian Outlook. We cover everything from the Bible and theology to politics and the persecuted church, all the stuff that matters each and every week. Hear from newsmakers, Christian leaders, voices you can trust. Join me on The Christian Outlook. Listen to The Christian Outlook every Saturday night at 7 on AM 980 The Mission, the Twin Cities Christian Voice. hats and about to cut that corner with the reindeer <laughs> hey welcome back to isaiah 61 uh getting here laying down a heavy base for y'all this afternoon uh really happy to be back i just want to thank uh kkms for you know taking the time to you know john and to sort through the reruns play a rerun to keep it going keep the programming going uh you know i, I just love connecting back you know with with the audience and, and what we do you know, uh, and trying to get you to read the digest version of, of as I've come through uh, the storm, right? And it ain't over. I don't expect it to be over. And really, I don't care because I got the victory anyway. So it, just, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So I start singing this song, old song, no matter what the weapon is, you know, I want you to know that I win, right? There's a, uh, a song by, uh, uh, oh, what's that guy's name? With a C. But anyway, I just started singing that song because it don't matter what the weapon is. You know what I mean? You know, you can you can have money, you know, and and then to see people who were writing checks to me to help me pay for the van and instead of them having to stick me in a Hoyer lift, lift me up out the bed, put me in a wheelchair, then lift me up out the wheelchair with the lift outside, and then try to pull me in the van, drop me down, it would drive to the location. Take the lift, take me out of the van, put me in a wheelchair, you know, then get you know to where we at and get there. It may have to use it again because they said, "What well, can you get in the chair?" You know what I mean? No, I can't get in the chair, and they got to go get their lift and lift me up in there. And so now I just roll whoever takes me, just rolls me straight into the van, clamps me down, and we zoom off. And and the reason why the kid I was mentoring did that for me is that he knew how hard it was for him getting around the school and the different appointments. And he said, trust me, Pastor Joe, you're going to need this. He said, just trust me, right? And I said, I, I, I trust you because I remember uh, you watching him, what he went through. 
and he was president of Augsburg Student Union, and he made it in a wheelchair. He did all that in a wheelchair, you know, and 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 he he bore fruit. And he's my my hero, my inspiration when it came time for me looking at not making no excuses, you know, because he could have easily made excuses out, you know what I mean, you know. And I remember we were doing, we were at a at a at a, at a prison facility doing a um, a service. And I brought him in to give his testimony. And uh and we had the worship team there and everything like that. And we just did what we do. You know, we just we brought it in and it, uh, the the level was high. He gave his testimony. I wrapped it up with thing from the word. Guys they gave their own altar call. They told us not we couldn't give altar calls. We didn't. The inmates gave their own altar call. They 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 came up there and was up there crying at the altar. And doing that, doing that thing, one of the inmates came over to him and said, "Do you want to know who did it?" And he said, "No." I would have been like, "Yeah, give me the number, then the name." You know, he, yeah, I'm just gonna conveniently drop it in front of somebody who I know will kill him. But yeah, you know, that just be my mindset. But I mean, because there's a young twenty-some-year-old guy, he's like, "Oh no, man, I'm good." He said, "He said I'm I'm good." So. He, he, and he just he let it go, and I was and I looked at him and I was like, wow, you know, what I mean, you know, just that. I knew there was more in me that needed to be dug out, the way I can operate in a level of forgiveness, you know, as this young man operating a level of forgiveness, even at the hospital, I go in there operating in a level of forgiveness, and not in a level of accusation, or you know, getting angry or mad at what's going on. I come in there with a with a heart of Thanksgiving, and I come in there with, with forgiveness, you know, in my heart, not just to be saddled back because, you know, oh, why y'all messing my time or you're not giving me the attention that I need. And, you know, I just, this one thing they weren't giving me attention for, I said, I said, if y'all can't handle me, can you send me the mail? Right? So they sent me the mail, and I get the mail, and mail says, we've never seen nothing like this before. And I go, like, oh, it's going to be another long journey. It's a long ride for you. You ain't never seen nothing like this before, right? And so, but it, even in the midst of that, I just said, you know what? We're going to figure this out together. You know, we're going to figure this out together. We're going we're gonna to travel and journey together. And and they they were so relieved. You know, there's one lady, she, when I ever got come in for service, she closes the door and she said, we have to spend our own personal time together. We, and I get caught up. But it's, our personal time is really me sharing what God is doing in my life. She just wants to know what God is doing in my life and, and uh come to find out she grew up in the same denomination that I was serving. And uh she was just like she was like, Wow, you know, they got any more of those churches around? I said, Yeah, me. <laughs> and uh and so we, it just was a great, great conversation on the way home and and my wife said, Oh Lord, don't give him nobody to listen to him. He'll just keep going and going and going and going. And I wanna encourage you, you know, that no matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that you win. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You know, it doesn't matter. You know, as it says, the song says, if 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 I obey, he'll make a way. If 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 I believe, I will receive. Everything he's promised me, I win. You know, I win in doing that. And as believers, we need to be the epitome of what God wants to see. And our reaction our reaction sets the tone for everybody else, you know, because they go like, wow, is that how I believe it should that? And if you're not there, admit to somebody that you're not there. 
come back and apologize. I say, I apologize for going off on you, snapping on you, but, you know, it's the area I'm working on, right? You know, don't be afraid to let somebody know, you know, when you fall short. You know what I mean? Because you got an advocate with the Father called Jesus Christ who helps clear you up. I want to thank God. You know, God gave me words of encouragement, you know, while I was on medical lockdown. <laughs> you know, he'll email me and just say, oh, Pastor Joe, how you doing? You know, listen to the show or let me know when the show comes back. You know, and uh, and and so it just just the words of encouragement for you guys help me go on, especially even my own church give me words of encouragement. And so we're gonna kick off this series uh, by order of the boss lady. You know, she said, "Well, I don't know what you was gonna speak on after you make your reintroduction, but you sure should talk about what you talked about last month." You know, at the church, right? And that's like Christ is coming back for a bride without spot nor wrinkle. Preparing yourself for marriage. You know, and, and, and that's what we're going to talk about. Preparing ourselves for marriage. Marriage to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We got to get ready. Because Jesus is coming. Hey, God bless you guys. Feel free to visit us. Tune in. Hit the website. God bless you.